Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode number 492 for Wednesday, the 22nd of February, 2017. So great to see you. Hey, how would you feel if you lost your smartphone and then you got a bill from your mobile provider for $24,000? It actually happened here in Canada, and we're going to be speaking with uh, New Data Security's Robert Caps once again tonight. He's going to be telling us what companies like TELUS, the mobility provider, should be doing in order to make sure that the customers that are running up these bills are, in fact, the customers who are paying the bills. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you want to stick around. We're going to have that great chat in just a couple of minutes' time. Get into the chat room. It's uh, Category 5 on Freenode. If you've got questions for New Data, uh, this is your uh, an, an exceptional opportunity to get those questions in. We talk a lot about cybersecurity. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is going to be a good one. So, Sasha, over in the newsroom, what do you got for us tonight? Well, here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. Kayla is now illegal in Germany. The founder of a Florida marketing firm who used illicit tactics to send spam email has been sent to jail. Bill Gates thinks the government should tax robots who take the jobs of human workers. February's critical update to Microsoft Windows has been delayed despite its urgency. And using machine learning, Google's Project Loon is moving quickly to bringing internet service to areas where it was previously unavailable. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. Please help me welcome tonight, Sasha Dermatis. Hello. And Henry Bailey-Brown joining us once again tonight. Hey, guys. Nice to see you both. And great to have you joining us at home. And uh, don't forget to check out our website, Category5.tv. Speaking of our website, if you head on over to shop.category5.tv, we've got our biggest seller on the set tonight. Can you see it? There it is. It's an NCC1701D model. It's uh, it's pretty awesome, and we're selling them like hotcakes. I think they're going to sell out. So make sure you get yours at uh, shop.category5.tv, our biggest seller this week. All right, heading over to uh, our feature of the night right off the bat tonight. Now, we mentioned it at the top of the show, but a Canadian uh, TELUS Mobility customer uh, lost his cell phone. Mm-hmm. So it can right. happen to anyone, right? It can happen. You might want to cancel your service at that point, but yeah. maybe you think, oh, well, maybe it's you know tucked Got in a cushion somewhere, or maybe I left it at a friend's or in place. in the car, somewhere like it, that. Yeah, you don't yeah, necessarily think it. somebody's yeah. running around the world with my smartphone. Well, that's kind of what it seems happened, because they got a bill that was well over their regular $64 per month in the range of $24,000. It seems laughably wow. high. Like, that's ridiculously yeah. high. You that's think they the would eventually of... catch on and just say, something's that's wrong right exactly. here. Something's wrong here. But that's, yeah, they do catch on and they say, okay, well, we need to verify this. We've got to figure yeah. out what's going on here. So what do they do? They send a text message to the person using the phone and say, you know, is, is, is this really you? And, you know, are you sure you want to run up this bill? And yeah, please course, reply. Totally. Whoever it is <laughs> yes. is of going to reply. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yes, please. 
And Thank can you I very get much. a cash advance? And let's just transfer <laughs> hey. some money while we're at it. Well, tonight uh, we're going to be speaking with uh, a gentleman who's been on the show before. You remember him from episode number 479 of Category 5 Technology TV just back in November when we spoke about a, uh, a compromising attack on a local casino, Casino right. Rama, yeah. here in Ontario, Canada. Uh, Robert Cap is, uh, Robert Caps, pardon me, is uh, is the VP of Business Development uh, for Vancouver-based uh, New Data Security, and basically what they do is um, they predict and prevent online fraud uh, for companies. And I'm going to let him share a little bit more about uh, New Data and what they do. Uh, Robert, it is so great to see you. Thanks for joining us once again tonight. Thanks for having me. Now, could you just, uh, for, the, for the viewers who maybe didn't catch episode number 479, I'd like to give you a chance mm-hmm. right off the bat just to introduce your company. This is New Data Security. Uh, you can find out more about them. And now it's NU, not N-E-W, so mm-hmm. NewDataSecurity.com. Uh, I'll give you a chance just to introduce yourself, Robert. Sure, yeah. Robert Caps from uh, New Data Security. Uh, we do uh, positive consumer identification online. So, so you've seen multi-factor authentication. You've seen those challenges, text messages, PIN codes, whatever they happen to be. We do all of that stuff behind the scenes without friction uh, and, and, and allowing our customers to understand who their real customers are when they're interacting. And this, uh, you know, this is a case we're talking off the top of the show. I'm sure you heard where this this particular gentleman in Canada here uh, had this Telus bill that went through the roof. And Telus is a mobile right, right. provider, just so you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, what what does Telus really do in order to protect their users and make sure that the user who is operating the cell phone is in fact the uh, the end user that's paying the bill? It's a really hard problem because a lot of the technology that uh, a lot of the techniques that folks use to do identification of the legitimate user have to do with uh, one of the three main factors that, that we look at. It's either something you know, like a password or a passcode, uh, something you are, so a physical biometric like a fingerprint or an iris, iris scan uh, traditionally, or uh, something you have like a cell phone, right? A lot of people, they carry their phone around with them. It's always in their pocket unless, of course, they've they've lost it. Uh, In this case, um, it looks like the carrier was relying on the presence of that physical phone being in in, in the possession of legitimate account holder. Um, That sounds good. It sounds like two-factor authentication, but when you are the mobile provider and you're using the mobile phone as the authentication mechanism, it seems like there's a little bit of a disconnect there from Mm -hmm. security Mm -hmm. uh, standpoint. Yeah, I mean, there's also the the concept that uh, if the phone's gone for a significant period of time, you might want to report it to your carrier, right? It's a lot like a credit card yeah. or even a debit card or, or even a checkbook, right? That's what we're um, thinking, you know, but how quickly do you, you know, just in this particular instance, how quickly do you jump on, oh, well, maybe my phone has been stolen? Because yeah. you may think that you just lost it between the couch cushions or the right. kids hit it somewhere. If you or went something somewhere like that. for the weekend and then you think, okay, well, I'll just be back there in a couple of weeks. I'll just tell them, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. who knows, hold, right? Hold my phone. Yeah. <laughs> well, hold the phone, but they may also want to hold the service. <laughs> right. Yeah, at but, least but, put it on hold. Yeah, but, but, you know, the, the best thing for a consumer to do is to call the carrier immediately and say, hey, I can't find my phone, can you help me with it, right? They, they might be able to, to locate where it is mm. um, and be able to ping it and, and, and identify a general region where you might have left it. Um, but in the case where it's stolen or missing, you know, it, get that reported to the carrier as quickly as possible to minimize any possibilities. Now, isn't just the physical phone loss that causes these sort of a, uh, um, uh, scenarios to happen. Um, it, we, we've, seen some, we've seen situations where someone impersonates the legitimate user and has a brand new phone added to the account 
taking you know taking over the old person's phone phone number and such and um, basically just tricking the call centers into enrolling a new phone on the customer's account, oh, not just to charge up the bills, but also to take possession of their cell phone number so they can get SMS messages and things from the bank in order to uh, commit fraud. So, you know, the cell phone really has become the gateway to consumers' identity, not just, you know, for the purposes of billing, you know, huge sums of money as people travel, but also um, as that second factor for authentication for high-value transactions. Sure. Now, how big of an issue is this? Is this something that we, you know, carrying a smartphone in our pockets that we really need to be concerned with at this point? Yes. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would <laughs> Zach definitely. Just got it. Yeah, <laughs> there you are. <laughs> Any technology in your pocket, I, I would be wary of, especially in the, this day and age with malware and other sorts of attacks uh, mm-hmm. being present. Um, when we talk about things like cell phones being second authenticators, you know, we're so attached to them. As soon as they go missing in our pockets, we tend to notice faster than we we notice that a credit card is missing or a checkbook or even cash. So, I mean, from that perspective, at least we're in a good position to to know when these things go missing pretty quickly. Um, and and you know, you can then t- you know take take the right steps to uh, to get the the the, the, the uh, device deactivated or 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 in some way, shape, or form secure that that access. Uh, but but at the end of the day, right, it, it is yet another form factor of authentication that we have. It's yet another device we have to keep track of. And, and, you know, the consumer really needs to be aware that there are so many things tied to this technology that they may not think about it on a day-to-day basis. Right. We're speaking with Robert Capps from New Data Security. Uh, he says data. I say data. That's just the way it is. <laughs> um, now, okay. when I think about, you know, I, I see so many customers and people who, and, and we have viewers on the show who have, who have had accounts compromised. We had one this week um, who had a, uh, a Gmail account compromised. And not at all related to their phone, but if I lost my phone and if we found out, you know, if we were that person who, oh my goodness, somebody is using my phone, what kind of things can those compromising users do with my phone? What can they do that I need to be concerned about? Because sometimes we think, well, it doesn't really matter. I'll just cancel my phone yeah. service. And, but what are, the, what are the threats? Any data on there can be used against you. So if you think about what data might be stored on the device, um, think about your address book. In a smartphone, right, yes. it, really, it, has, it has fields for date of birth. Uh, it has fields for family members, you know, the assistance name for, for a business contact, uh, anniversaries, all of these data points that are useful potentially to a, to a, um, to a, to a fraudster or a hacker to assume someone's identity, maybe not even your own. So it isn't just your own information you're losing on a device. It could be that of your friends and family or business associates. And so, um, you know, it, it is, it really, it really is incumbent on the owner of that device, the person retaining that data on that mobile mobile phone, uh, to take every step possible to secure it, you know, inclusive of things like passcodes on the device. Every major smartphone today has the ability for you to, to enable a, a passcode right. so that theoretically only you can access it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've got more advanced phones that now have biometric locks, um, you know, like, like, uh, like the Apple um, Touch ID, and there's similar things coming in from Samsung and Kyocera and, and other manufacturers of devices are producing, um, you know, these, these physical biometric um, unlock capabilities, using those technologies, using the ability to do remote wiping of the device through your service sure. provider or through the, 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 the wow. phone manufacturer, all very important things to, to protect the data on them. They sound really important, Robert, but they also sound very complex. And, and as a parent, I mean, we talk about, yeah, add, a, add some protection, add some two-factor authentication to unlock your phone and, and these kinds right, of things. Right. So, but if my kids are playing a game on my phone and... and mm-hmm. 
all of a sudden it goes to sleep, they need to come to me to get me to unlock it. And as a parent, we know, and I'm sure there are viewers who are <laughs> nodding their heads and going, yeah, you know what? I have that disabled specifically because my kids are using my, my device, and, and that yep. can lead to problems. Um, it can. Even just, yeah. even just as recently, a couple of days ago, I yeah. reached my data cap on my phone, which was weird. Data caps. Now, that's I, a novel idea. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't <laughs> even know that I had my Wi-Fi turned off. I have Wi-Fi at home, mm -hmm. I, so I have a low data mm -hmm. service thing, um, mm -hmm. and I had... I had forgotten that I turned my Wi-Fi off, so I had reached okay. my cap. Okay. So my provider, who isn't Telus, but still, mm -hmm. texted me, "You're at ninety percent right now. Right. Respond oh. with one to increase by a certain number of megabytes, oh, or two to for one. I don't. I'm so bad at this. I can gigabyte. see right through this. This is <laughs> right. This has, <laughs> this has CRTC written all. Over so it. I, These are regulations <laughs> that have been put in place by the Canadian government so that when we're on our mobile devices, those kinds of things happen. So I pressed two, mm -hmm. and right, but and so I added like an extra twenty dollars to my bill sure. just to save myself the thirty-five dollars, so right? right? Yeah, for the yeah. month, even. Yeah. But at the same the time, if it wasn't me, right? Like, yeah. how did they know that right. it was and me? They couldn't. And we're and gonna we're gonna talk about that in just a moment, Robert, because I know there are some solutions out there. But just backing up for just a moment, because I think it's important to note, we're talking about, uh, and you brought to, to mind the, the thought of identity theft. And it sounds so serious, and it sounds like one of those things that could never happen to me. But we're starting to see more and more, um, for example, CEO identity theft. Mm -hmm. And it's not even somebody compromising my accounts and locking me out of my bank accounts and out of my personal data or traveling the world on my passport. It's not, we, we can't think of identity theft as, as that big because what can happen, as you know, Robert, um, somebody could find a, a CEO's phone or somebody who's at a, a certain level that is a buyer for a company and is able to then message somebody within the company and say, okay, I'm, I'm in the Caymans. I need you to transfer $10,000 to my account right away now. because my visa has been <laughs> yeah. locked out. Yeah, and it, because they now appear to be that person, so it, the identity theft is not even a grand scheme. It's just mm -hmm. simply, I've got the contacts. I know the names right. of the people to reach out to, and I can trick yeah. them into thinking, you know, using um, tactics that we see in phishing scams and things like that, social engineering, mm -hmm. yeah. to trick people into transferring funds. Uh, and so this is a really, really big issue. But what, as Sasha was alluding to, what can people do that are just average users? Mm -hmm. I bring up uh, C128D uh, commented on our YouTube channel and said, here's the problem. Even if we are capable technologically of uh, creating a dummy-proof technological infrastructure, the problem is that it would be so unwieldy and so complicated that the average computer user, who is probably not even qualified to use a computer, would not be able to operate it. So there has yeah. to be a fine line. So what can mm -hmm. we do, um, because it is just average users who are in companies, so how can, how can companies truly protect themselves? Oh man, there's a lot of questions in there. Ask the pro. Ask the Yeah, we, we were talking about identity theft, and, and one of the things that I think gets mixed up a little bit in, in the media specifically is that identity theft has a very specific. 
definition, and that is where someone uses your information, your identity information, your name, your address, date of birth, uh, maybe your family, family uh, information, uh, to open new credit in your name or to access an account that has value that mm -hmm. you already have uh, mm -hmm. by using those data points. Um, what we're talking about here specifically is impersonation of a legitimate user. Uh, and this has been a scheme we've been seeing for a long time with, with, with broad reaching effect, especially at the treasury management, the CEO level of an organization. Um, these schemes tend to, to happen after the credentials for an email account have been taken, specifically right. the CEO's credentials for their email account. Um, now, if you get a hold of their physical phone with the credentials already embedded, it makes it that much easier, but it's a little harder to get a hold of those phones to enact those sorts of attacks in mass. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, we'll see these things happen um, just through uh, key logging or malware or some other um, uh, technological scheme to get that, cons that, that, that CEO's username and password, and they'll just log into webmail. And they'll send the, mail, the message without ever having to have physical access to the individual or their devices at all. Um, and, 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 you know, what do you do in those cases? If you're an employee in a treasury management department or accounting department or, or whoever it happens to be, and you get a weird request, don't action on it. Pick up the phone and call them. Um, and if you can't get a hold of that person, call their assistant, call someone else who knows their travel plans. Um, there are places you can go to, to, to verify those interactions. These sort of schemes happen because people inherently want to please their, uh, their employers. They want to do whatever they can to do a good job for them and, and, and to, to be responsive to their needs. And so people that are using these sort of attacks are preying on, on, on the human, um, human uh, behavior, basically that people want to be helpful. And um, they, they expect that the, the more dramatic and the more um, demanding the request, the faster somebody's gonna to react to it trying to be helpful. And uh, you know, if, if anyone gets one of these, like I said, pick up the phone, make a phone call to someone of authority in, in the organization, just verify this person really is in the Cayman Islands and needs a million bucks wired right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like simple, but, but that's, that's the best way to thwart these sort of issues. It's okay. out of the ordinary. Pick up the phone and ask. Very good. Okay, we're speaking with Robert Caps from New Data Security. We've got to take a really quick break, and when we come back, we're going to flip the coin, take the different approach, the opposite approach, and say, you know, hey, what can companies do to recognize whether the person they are talking to is, in fact, the consumer, their customer? So stick around. We're going to be right back after this. Jeff Weston. Yaman. You're building a brand new, beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? You need hosting. One of the things about a hosting account is you don't want to have limitations put on your website. It's true. How much hard drive space do you have? How many email accounts? How many domains can point to it? Well, we've got an amazing deal for you. For a very limited time, cat5.tv slash dreamhost. For just $5 and a bit of change per month, you are going to get unlimited website hosting, unlimited email accounts on that hosting uh, service. You are also going to receive a free domain name. Ooh. So your own .com. Nice. To put that amazing website that you've been working on it's on true. there. If you run, if you want to build a WordPress site, fine. Sign up. Cat5.tv slash dreamhost. Just don't put Panama Papers on it. Just don't do it. But hey, uh, it's a great deal, folks. Best deal you're going to find. $5 and change per month. Go to cat5.tv slash dreamhost.
Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV, and this evening we are speaking with Robert Capps from New Data Security, and we're talking about, uh, well, we're using the example of a recent attack that mm -hmm. happened by simply, well, not even an attack, but somebody lost their phone, and yeah. the person who found it ran up a $24,000 bill. Robert, great to have you here. Great to be here. Robert, when we, when we think about this, okay, so we're looking at, let's say, the mobility provider. They sent a text message to the, uh, the end user, or so they thought, that said, hey, we're about to hit that cap, just like Sasha had. Do you want to yeah. authorize this? And, of course, the end user, who was not the actual person paying the bill, said yes. What can companies like that? <laughs> yeah. What can companies like that mo mobility provider do in order to uh, do a better job of protecting their end users? Yeah. I, so first and foremost, um, using the device they've issued to the consumer and verifying that's the legitimate device using the techniques that they have. They can, they can verify that the device's um, uh, serial number, um, EIN, can be, uh, you know, is the same device that's on the network that they issued to the customer. They can verify that that device hasn't been tampered with and that oh. um, it, it's still geographically in a specific area. They can do these sort of things behind the scenes uh, to do some verification of whether or not the device is where it should be. Um, when a device is lost, when a physical device is lost, that's very difficult for an organization to be able to detect, especially if it stays within the same geographic region that normally does. Mm -hmm. um, in the case where the bill gets that high, um, you know, going over by 20 or $30, it's pretty easy to send them a text message and verify. When you get over 1000 you might need to make a phone call to the customer and just verify some additional information. Ah. Uh, the other thing that can be done is to push those customers back to the, the web portal to log in and verify their credentials and maybe do some additional verification that they still possess the device. Yeah, okay. Um, that makes a lot of sense. So I could see them picking up the phone and calling the, the customer's cell phone and actually saying, yeah. what is your date of birth? What is, and or their home phone. Because <laughs> that big oh, of a bill, you may okay, want to check. Yeah. Because they Something might have that information. Outside of the device, sure. it could be lost. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Very good. Okay. Uh, do we have any questions coming in in the chat room? Join us on ca it's Category 5 on Freenode if you have any questions. We're speaking with Robert Capps from New Data Security. Uh, and uh, it's always a pleasure having you here. Robert, what we hear about two-factor authentication, and, and I think about this in terms of our login credentials for websites and things like that. Obviously, it doesn't help us if we lose something like a passport or, or some other personally identifying information, our wallet and things like that. But we're in a progressively more and more digital world where our cell phone becomes our wallet, our cell phone becomes our personal identification, our communications device. So right. is there, uh, is two-factor authentication something that is going to fix this? I mean, no. <laughs> Put it simply. <laughs> a little bit of a leading question. Um, but we, so, I yeah, to I mean, multi-factor multi is really what we talk about. Um, it isn't just looking at two factors. It's looking at as many factors as we can about the consumer's interaction, their behavior in real time to make an assessment of whether or not they are physically present in that interaction. And, um, you know, and, and, and if they are just verifying that it is the right person. Um, so, so when we talk about multi-factor authentication, again, it's something you have like a cell phone or one of those little two-factor tokens that if you've ever seen a, a bank employee or a corporate employee have these little things sure. in the keychain with a number that rotates all the time. This is something you physically have that, that it's provable to you there. Um, a, a good example of something you have that everybody has in their wallet, a chip and pin card. Uh, the chip card itself is 
a factor of authentication that is something you physically have issued to you by the bank that can be verified by the bank when it's placed into the slot reader. Um, something you are, again, we talked about physical biometrics, but also it's behavior. When we go online um, using a fingerprint or iris scan, it's not real easy to use in, 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 in most online interactions. But how you use your device, how you type your username and password, how you go through the motions of interacting with a form, a login form, mm -hmm. you know, even down to your behaviors of whether or not you use the tab key to move between form fields or you use the mouse. Um, all these things are very unique to an individual human. So when you take the things they have, like a device or a card or, or a passcode generator, you take things that, that they are, like their behavior and, and, and some of the, the physical interactions they make with their technology, and you couple that with things they know, like a username or password or secret questions or even you know knowledge of their credit history or where they've lived in the past or what color cars they've owned. When you take all those things together along with the context of where they're interacting from and, and, and the other signals that are available in an online uh, transaction, you get a very clear picture of whether or not this consumer is who they say they are. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, in, in a lot of cases, the reason why we can't tell who someone is at, at the other end of the wire is because we haven't looked enough of the data points that are available to us to evaluate. So is this an issue of, of needing a technological solution that just doesn't exist yet to really get there? Or is this all about educating not just the end users to protect themselves, but also the, the people who work for these companies um, to know that, okay, I need to pick up the phone and call this customer? Like, is that just, yeah. it's just an educational thing? There's no silver bullet. I mean, there's no one solution. Um, security is a, is a series of layers, if you think of it that way. Um, you know, some people will say the layers of an onion or even the layers of a gumball, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, at, at the end of the day, you need a healthy dose of education for those users to know that there are threats mm -hmm. and to, you know, be, to understand that, you know, they need to ask questions if, if something doesn't smell quite right. Um, human uh, intuition is a really good, uh, a really good uh, arbitrator of risk. Sure. Um, and, and, and then, you know, on top of that, we need technology. You know, it, everything I've talked about today so far are real-world technologies that exist today and can be adopted by, by, by organizations. They just either choose not to because, you know, they, they don't believe that the risks are there for them and it's too small of yeah. a problem to deploy the, you know, technology that might be expensive or, or difficult. I, and I think to, a lot of times we think that these attacks are, are targeted, and, and quite often they're not. They're, they're very blanketed, you know, attacking vulnerable systems, and that's as simple as it is. Yeah, I mean, that's, it, it can go either way. Uh, it really depends on what they're after. When we see sure. CEO attacks, when we see issues where they're trying to get to the, to the CFO um, right. account so that they can issue orders to transact, um, those are very targeted attacks. Mm -hmm. They're not generally, you know, crimes of opportunity. They've done their homework. They have the org charts for, for who uh, in the organization they need to contact and whose accounts they need to take over, and they're very deliberate about going after those people. When we talk about general consumers, not so much on the targeted side. It's very opportunistic. You know, their data was released in a data breach. There might be a phishing attack that's against that consumer based on the email address that, that was stolen, maybe their name and some other information to make that attack look legitimate. Mm -hmm. um, where we see usernames and passwords stolen, we see those run across the login pages of the top 500 websites, uh, e-commerce, banking, whatever they happen to be, and, and they'll run those databases through looking for overlap and, and, and valid accounts. And they know that consumers, um, they tend to reuse the same usernames and passwords over and over again. And so they, there's going to be a hit rate for them, and then they'll go after those accounts. 
I think here in Canada, more so than than in, maybe in the states, um, the consumer is also the like. There's so many mom and pop shops up here north of the border. There's so many mm-hmm. small businesses that are just you know six or ten people that really each individual is just a consumer. They're not educated in cybersecurity. Right. They're not exactly. savvy in any way, which leads mm-hmm. me to Dooley's question. Dooley De, mm-hmm. Dooley De Vulcan Dooley. said. Are there tools for dummies um, to put into use for protection? So people right. that aren't really... So we're talking yeah, techno- technological day. tools? Yeah. So like for people who need like relatives that need protected or like right. if you yeah. work in a small office and maybe some of you are more savvy than others, you know, is yeah, there something that I, we I, can use? I would think about, a, you know, six to ten, you know, right. SMBs or even VSBs. Right, right. You're not going to yeah. invest a hundred thousand dollars in endpoint protection, no. right? So what what can no. you do? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, when you talk about endpoint protection, and you're talking about that few of the number of employees, um, you're talking about commercial products. To be honest, you're looking for the same products that a consumer would possibly deploy in their own, uh, you know, laptop or or, or PC. Mm-hmm. Um, in those cases, you know, any of the off-the-shelf malware solutions that have um, you know, uh, antivirus malware and potentially even web content uh, filtering, right. those products are going to have some capabilities to help against some of these attacks. But, but keep in mind, the, the attacks that are most powerful are the ones that are not against the technology, but against the human psyche. They're, they're really confidence mm-hmm. attacks. They're, they're cons that, that, that have just moved online. Um, they're confidence scams. They're, they're trying to um, prey on people's um, desire to respond quickly and be helpful to other humans, mm-hmm. and um, you know they, they're sad. looking for you to you know to, to, or or they're they're trying to prey on your fear of online transactions. You know you see a lot sure. of phishing attacks disguised as um, account warnings that someone's tried to access your account. Please log in right now so we can protect you. Yep. No better way to get someone to jump on that right now is to think they're about to be scammed, only to be scammed. So I mean yes. it's just. That's that's the kind of thing that um, it's really hard to protect against those schemes yeah. in those scenarios, and so it comes down to the not necessarily the consumers to protect themselves, I and mean, they need to educate themselves. Whether they're a small business or an actual at-home consumer, education's first. Like let's, let's okay. figure out a way to get people aware there are problems and questioning things. Yeah, I think but that makes a lot that, of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but beyond that. It's up to their institutions that they do business with for banking. It's up to their e-commerce providers that they do business with their suppliers' uh, websites that they are taking the steps to make sure that when someone comes in logging in as them, that their right. accounts are, are, are protected and okay. through multi-factor authentication or keystroke and gesture verification yeah. or behavior, just, whatever it happens to be. I'm something thinking about you know, how these things fall so flat in yeah. like, online banking that asks the name of your dog. Yeah, right. as, a, as, a, as a second topic. factor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, and, uh, okay, well, what's your favorite food? Most people are probably going to say pasta, maybe pizza. <laughs> it's it's carbs, yeah. pretty yeah. generic. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. you know, it, it, it kind of falls flat. Uh, so yeah. if, it's, if, it's, if there's not a technological solution, and it's largely about education, and that's what we're hearing here tonight uh, from our guest Robert Capps, uh, who joins us from newdatasecurity.com, and that's N-U. Um, so I get the impression that we really need to educate ourselves. That's really what it boils down to, because if these it's tactics, their tactics is what they are, right? They're they tapping are. into yeah. our fears and, and tricking us into doing things that we shouldn't do. And we probably know we shouldn't do, 
but by the time you get there and you realize, oh, I'm being scammed, it might be too late. Um, and that's you know not always the case. Maybe you've lost your phone and someone's walked away with it. It's all about education and knowing that we need to now follow up with our provider and, and cancel service or get them to track down it, uh, the phone through geolocation technology. Right. So right. now, it's easy to understand though for for those consumers who are getting these demands over text message or email or anything else. Um, most legitimate corporations and institutions are not going to put dire warnings and tell you if you didn't click on this link, you're going to have your account shut down. They're not going to send those via email. They're going to pick up the phone. They're going to call you as a consumer, uh, or they're going to um, send you a letter to your registered address. They're not going to do these, send these emails because they know, these organizations know that that is the technique that's being used by the fraudsters. And so they're trying to educate consumers. They'll never make those demands over and, email. And as an end user consumer, you still can't win because you've registered a doc com and your name and your address are part of the who is which is a public record and so you're getting yeah. these fake banking queries and and things like that and so you know you can't win so where can we go to get more education i mean there's there are podcasts like category 5 technology tv that deal a lot with cybersecurity um there yeah. are you know security blogs out there do you have resources for us that you can recommend that uh, yeah. help to keep us safe there's, there's a Great resource in the Stay Safe Online campaign uh, that has uh, been, I know it's been uh, translated into a number of different languages and Fantastic. has been uh, localized to a number of different uh, places around the world. So, I mean, I, I'd have to go look up the actual URL for each country, sure. but I think it's stay, stay, staysafeonline.org in the U.S. and okay. Canada. And then it goes beyond that in other countries as well. Um, that's a great resource, great educational content. Um, it's focused not only on consumers, but also small businesses and other areas. Um, it, it, you know, it's a great place to start and, and it'll point you in other directions as well. Um, but just understanding that there are risks, that the internet is not necessarily a safe place if you don't know what you're doing. Um, you know, and, and that isn't to dissuade people from, you know, don't bank online or any of those things. I'm not saying that at all. Um, the internet is a very safe place to transact business if you can follow some distinct rules and, and, and just keep your wits about you. It's like walking down a, a street at night in, in a town you're not familiar with. You don't just hang out, you know, all the money out of your pockets and you pull the chains out so they're all visible and things. You, you, you take precautions to look around and, and understanding where you're at and you, you just sort of blend in. <laughs> sure. And when, when someone walks up to you and says, yeah, I'm with the bank, I need you to give me money, <laughs> be sure. skeptical. Yeah, yeah. Be skeptical. Let's walk over to the branch and we'll talk, we'll talk there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, the, the, the famous saying from TV, trust no one. And I hate to say it, but it really, we have to take that approach where we just don't be too overly automatically trusting of everything that comes into your inbox or every phone call that comes uh, to, your, to your telephone right. uh, because Absolutely. there are people out to get you. That even leads me right back to the, t the poor guy from TELUS. Yeah. Or not from TELUS, the, the poor the guy customer. with, with TELUS. You know, this is not about TELUS. No, this could happen this could, to any exactly. provider, for sure. But he yeah. probably thought and trusted that, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, if my account looks weird, for sure they'll just shut it down. Like, they're not going to let me run $65,000 worth of debt boy, oh without boy. shutting it down. What Congrats. if that was his only source of contact? A lot of people don't have anything but their cell phone. Sure. Right? So he didn't have a way to contact Telus. Now I'm yeah. in his defense. I'm obviously on his defense team. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, and I, I'd be very surprised if he ended up paying any, even a, a, a moderate fraction of that bill at the end sure. of the day, because mm-hmm. you know it, it appears that that. Well, I mean, just I've, I've only seen what's in the media so far, uh, but it appears like there might have been a failure to um, to really put a put put constraints on that account when it was clearly going in this normal spend pattern. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Robert Caps uh, from New Data Security. You can find their website at newdatasecurity.com, and that's spelled N-U. Uh, and you see it at the bottom of your screen. Thank you so much for joining us once again here, Robert. Uh, we appreciate yeah. you sharing your knowledge. Um, is there anything that we haven't covered here tonight? Um, oh, man. We've kinda, so much. We've kind of hit a lot of stuff. <laughs> but if, if you're sitting at home right now and you're watching this, whether you be watching live or whether you're watching this on demand, maybe you're on YouTube watching this after the fact, make sure you send us an email. You can actually contact us at live at category5.tv. And if there are some questions that we can help you through, whether it be with regards to cybersecurity or just keeping your identity safe uh, or protecting your customers, because really that's what this is all about, is, is taking that approach and, and realizing that, hey, we need, to, we need to think about our end users, our customers, as well as ourselves and protect yeah. their identities, um, then please email us live at category5.tv. And Robert, is there a way we can contact you directly or through the company. Um, yeah, so, so I'm, my, my website or the website you, you, you talked about, newdatasecurity.com, starting with NU, um, that uh, it has contact information and a way to get in touch with the company. Um, I'm, I'm also almost on, almost, I'm also on Twitter at uh, RWCAPS, so uh, also follow me there. But um, yeah, plenty of, plenty of ways to get in touch with me or right. with the company. Thanks again for sharing your knowledge, and we appreciate your time tonight. Thank you. Take care. All the best. Take care. This is Category 5 Technology TV, and thank you so much for joining us here at www.category5.tv. We're going to jump right over to the newsroom. Sasha's ready for us. I see it up on the teleprompter. (laughs) Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.tv newsroom. Kayla is now illegal in Germany. The founder of a Florida marketing firm who used illicit tactics to send spam email has been sent to jail. Bill Gates thinks the government should tax the robots who take the jobs of human workers. February's critical update to Microsoft Windows has been delayed despite its urgency. And using Google and using machine learning, Google's project Loon is moving quickly to bringing internet services to areas where it was previously unavailable. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Now here's another great way you can support the shows you love from the Category5.tv network by shopping at GearBest. That's right, Jeff. Uh, Cat5.tv slash GearBest. It's an online store for the geek streak in you. Or the loved ones. Well, of course. I mean, especially your loved ones, right? Uh, Because Cat5.tv slash GearBest, quite frankly, has all of the greatest tech gifts that you could ever hope for at rock-bottom prices. Do they have cell phones? You betcha. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has a wide assortment of unlocked Android cell phones and tablets. What about uh, consumer electronics? Those make a great gift. Absolutely. From high-tech watches to action cameras, headphones, even virtual reality headsets. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has you covered. They literally have it all, Jeff. Literally. Really? It's like a superstore right from the comfort of your own chair at your computer through the interweb. Yeah, I, there's no way they have it all. It's true. It's just a bunch of ele- uh, random electronics. Test me. Um, what about clothes? Yep. 
both men and women, fashionable apparel at rock bottom super duper prices. Kind of like this. Well, look at this coat. What do you think? It's a slimming mock leather jacket. I love it. It's available for less than $30 plus free shipping at cap5.tv slash gear best. All right. You kind of got me there. Wow. Any other questions for me, Jeff? Uh, now that the winter has passed, flying season. Do they have any good deals on, say, drone copters? Oh, my goodness. Well, check this out. Dude, they have everything. Check out over 500 various drones. And not only that, they're available marked down by about 30 to up to 63% off the regular price. Love it. What's the website again? Well, you're going to find GearBest on our partners' pages for any of your favorite Category 5 TV shows like New Every Day, Category 5 Technology TV, The Pixel Shadow. Uh, but of course, if you want to shop absolutely right now and you want to go straight to the site, all you have to do is visit cat5.tv slash GearBest. See, that's easy. Cat5.tv slash GearBest. That's right. Happy shopping. I'm Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories for the week of February 22nd, 2017. Remember the Kayla doll we reported on during episode 481? Well, it's now illegal in Germany to sell the talking doll, and that's just the beginning. A German government watchdog has ordered parents to destroy the internet-connected doll for fear it could be used as a surveillance device. According to... A report from the BBC News, the German Federal Network Agency, said the doll, which contains a microphone and speaker, was equivalent to a concealed transmitting device and therefore prohibited under German telecom law. In in December last year, privacy advocates said that the toy recorded kids' conversations without proper consent, violating the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. Thank goodness for them. Uh, the act themselves. <laughs> Kayla uses a microphone to listen to questions, sending this audio over Wi-Fi to a third-party company that converts it to text. This is then used to search the internet, allowing the doll to answer basic questions like what's a baby kangaroo called, as well as play games. In addition to privacy concerns over data collection, security researchers found that Kayla can easily be hacked. The doll's insecure Bluetooth connection can be compromised, letting a third party record audio via the toy or even speak to children using its voice. So bad. The Electronic Privacy Information Center has said that toys like this subject young children to ongoing surveillance without any meaningful data protection standards. One researcher pointed out that the doll was accessible from up to 33 feet away, even through walls, using a Bluetooth-enabled device. There is nothing scarier than the the imagined threat, not even imagined threat, the real threat that your children could be, like, talked to from somebody... And this it's, doll has its own voice. I, I almost think like of a Chucky or something out of yeah. Child's Play, you know. Like I was going to say, at least, it's, your life. at least it's this doll's voice and not like the voice of Lucifer. Yeah, oh my know, gosh. Because that would, you know, yeah. And but, how sweet and innocent are children? They'd probably like offer up any amount of information to a doll that was talking to it. That's yeah, a right? scary point. Yeah, it's like, because, are your parents home? Do you have a dog? Yeah. Things like that, right? So yeah. it, it can be very scary. <laughs> Yeah, I want really you to creepy. watch the code that mommy puts into the, you know, the pin card yeah. thing. 
There's four uh, numbers. You remember them and tell them to me later. You know. Oh, I hope you not. You know, stuff like I that. Hope not. Well, at least there's laws against this now. At least mm-hmm. this one has been caught. I mean, like when I was a kid, I had Bingo the Bear, and and there was Teddy Ruxpin, and there I were had all Teddy these. Ruxpin. Yeah, and and Bingo was like the knockoff. Oh, okay. It was like the you know, and it, I loved it. I had that thing for years. Me being the little hacker that I was, I oh. I built a, a, an AC converter for it and made it so I could plug it into the wall because I was tired of the batteries getting run out. Here I am, like the size of my youngest. Just son. bring the wall everywhere with you, and you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> Portable walls. But they were so benign and so innocent because, like, you'd squeeze his mouth and he would say mm-hmm. pre-recorded Ooh. sayings. Yeah. Well, it's but pre-networked, though, right? That was it. There was no Wi-Fi. There was no Bluetooth. Right. There was exactly. No artificial intelligence, or even you know, text-to-speech was like Doctor Spazzo back then. It was not anywhere near where we are now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if they can type in things, that's a scary thing. So I'm waiting for all those videos to hit YouTube of people blowing up their Kayla dolls. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> slow mo. The slow mo guys just. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Wow. Okay. A marketer who used stolen email accounts to collect more than a million dollars by spamming people has been sent to prison for four years. Timothy Livingston, who's 31, was handed the 48-month term after he pleaded guilty to counts of conspiracy to commit fraud in connection with computers and access devices, conspiracy to commit fraud in connection with electronic mail, and aggravated identity theft. The sentence was handed out on Thursday by Judge William J. Martini in the New Jersey District Court, where Livingston pled guilty to the charges last year. Based in Boca Raton, Livingston ran and operated a marketing company called A Whole Lot of Nothing, LLC, which specializes in sending out bulk emails for clients. The U.S. Department of Justice said Livingston's clients included legitimate businesses such as insurance companies that wished to send bulk emails to advertise their businesses as well as, well as illegal entities such as online pharmacies that sold narcotics without prescriptions. What the clients did not know or chose not to ask was how Livingston was able to send out so many emails. The marketer had an arsenal of botnet controlled accounts and compromised servers he used to help send out the spam runs without being identified or detected by spam filters. He would then collect a commission every time one of his junk mail messages was converted to a sale. Livingston's co-defendant, Tomas Shemelrez of New Jersey, also admitted writing the malware used to infect and control the botnets. By the time Livingston was finally caught, it is estimated his spamming network was able to rack up around $1.35 million in ill-gotten gains. He will have to forfeit all of that as part of his plea deal. Well, I would hope. Yeah. (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. This... This is one of those scary, people are smart and... Mm. This is a business that appeared like a legitimate business. Except that it was called All About Nothing. Mm. But but it appeared legitimate and lots of legitimate people. Marketing name. Hey, you know what? Flashy signs. Gets them every time. Right. Billions of emails. And obviously it had enough allure that people who were legitimate businesses and also illegitimate businesses felt equally comfortable using him, right? Yeah. Mm. Ah, I don't know. Okay. 
Bill Gates, the co-founder of Microsoft and the world's richest man, said in an interview Friday that robots that steal human jobs should pay their fair share of taxes. Right now, the human worker who does, say, $50,000 worth of work in a factory, that income is taxed and you get income tax, social security tax, and all of those things, he said. If a robot comes in to do the same thing, you'd think that we'd tax the robot at a similar level. Wow. Mm-hmm. Gates made the remark during an interview with Quartz. He said robot taxes could help fund projects like caring for the elderly or working with um, children in school. Quartz reported that European Union lawmakers considered a proposal to tax robots in the past, and the law was rejected. Isn't that I, interesting? Well, I would think that by taxing the robots, you'd be taxing the people who own the robots. But at the same sure. time, where do you draw the line, though? Because it's like... Are you going to tax like an autopilot on an airplane? Are you going to tax Siri, or are you only going to ta- like tax mm. certain industries, or like right. how's that going to so work? So the ones that replace the humans, but until what right. point? Like, yeah. are they taxing the ATM because it? Replaces- so is he thinking humanoid? So like androids. movement. So like, I can I can think of like in a car plant, for example, like mm. the robots putting on doors and stuff. Sure. Yeah, because like you know the auto industry is a big thing right now in politics and all that stuff. But it's like... How do you gauge it? Like, where, where do you, do you draw you the line? Like, that's, and how do you gauge it? How do you say X number of jobs have been replaced? When, especially yeah. when you think about the transition of industry and how industry is going to make the transition to mm-hmm. robotics as operators and, and exactly. manufacturers. And, well, mm-hmm. these jobs that are being created for these robots never existed for humans mm-hmm. because it didn't exist yet. Right. I mean, yeah. there's the job of making the robots, and there's the job of the maintenance of the robots. Yeah. Right. There's jobs that the robots create, mm-hmm. not only just take away. Sure. But I, I like I can't imagine what you're what they're saying is that the taxes would then have to be paid by the owners of the robots. Yeah. Right. So then the owner of the robot one. is paying I their think it's taxes. A neat idea. But yeah, it's a neat idea as far it's as interesting money, idea. It is. I don't. But I don't, it seems like a really slippery slope. Because yeah. again, it's you have to define how you want to do it. Like again, yeah. are you going to tax Cortana for being on your computer for helping you yes. out scheduling? Well, Cortana, I don't mind. Bad example. I don't Anything it. Microsoft, but yeah, I'm okay with Siri. Tax I'm a Mac guy, but I understand taxes are fairly unavoidable. Um, but taxes I feel like being a robot should get you a pass on that. <laughs> Poor R two D two though. You saved so many people, and you're gonna tax r2d2 and c3po now right i mean like they, they've they've helped save the galaxy a few dozen times and now we're going to be charging tax right same with data from star trek right and are they taxing okay so they're saying that it's a robot that's replaced a human that was making fifty thousand dollars a year but then if the robot's running 24 hours a day whereas the human was running exactly 10 sure. hours a day yeah. well now are they all, all of a sudden, sudden going to inflate that and ask yeah. for more tax it just, where does that come from yeah but i guess they're manufacturing the same amount of or more stuff so, but you mentioned data, but data in the show did mm-hmm. kind of operate like a human, but we're nowhere near that. Our jobs are not being going to be replaced by data like androids. Knock on wood. <laughs> anytime soon. I mean, Bill Gates famously said we only need 640K ran- uh, uh, high memory, but, you know, there you go. so we're bound to be wrong eventually, but uh, yeah. Bill you, Gates might think? be wrong on this one. Yeah. Speaking I of mean, Bill Gates, his company, Microsoft. Um, yeah. 
okay, so this is this is something that he's wrong about. There we go. <laughs> well, he's you know, one of the founders, but yeah, he's right. not really in charge anymore. Right. But, uh, sold it off or something. Yeah. Right? Microsoft has delayed the release of a security update that would have fixed a vulnerability cyber thieves are known to be exploiting. The fix was to be released as part of Microsoft's regular monthly security update for its Windows software. In a blog, it said a last-minute issue had got in the way of the updates being sent out as usual. The delay is thought to be related to changes Microsoft was due to make to the, the way updates were delivered. The February update was scheduled to include a patch for a problem with a part of Windows that handles particular types of file transfers. The bug was first reported to Microsoft in September and code to exploit it is believed to be available to malicious hackers. The flaw is present in most versions of Windows and could leave users open to attacks that let hackers crash vulnerable machines. Microsoft has already delayed releasing the file transfer fix because it wanted to include it with other updates for the same Windows subsystem that it previously planned for February. February was also when Microsoft was due to break its security fixes into two, one for Windows and the other for its browsers. Getting the separation and testing systems to work reliably is believed to have caused the delay. No date has been given for when the delayed update will be delivered. Does that just mean that people are still free to go ahead and exploit right now? <laughs> yeah, technically, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, if they're it's just... if it's active in the wild, then I guess the the fix isn't out there, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Never to released the it. They've got to do it soon, though. I mean, but one commenter was like, "Well, it's typical Microsoft style. Once they know a, a bug is out in the wild, they wait two years and then they patch it." <laughs> That's right. Hmm. Ugh. Okay. In better news, <laughs> researchers at Google say that they are years closer to rolling out a network of huge balloons to provide connectivity to rural areas. The Project Loon team, part of the company's X research lab, said that it was now able to use machine learning to predict weather systems. It means the firm has far greater control over where its balloons go, making it possible to focus on a specific region rather than circumnavigating the globe. Clustering a small number of balloons greatly reduces the cost of the idea, Google's captain of Moonshots, Astro Teller, told reporters. He says, we can now run an experiment and try to give service in a particular place in the world with 10, 20, or 30 balloons, he said, rather than the hundreds needed previously. Wow. Hmm. That's incredible. Real users will be able to use the system in the coming months, he added, but he did not specify where the initial rollout would take place. Finally, a little bright spot in the newsroom. Oh, that is great. So connectivity, like in places that just would never you, otherwise get you it. You think of like third world countries and things yeah. like that. Yeah, and that's, but that's where our mind immediately goes. At the same time, though, is that like being a pilot myself, I ask mm. at what altitude? Like, are these like very high yeah, altitude, like one. fifty thousand feet sure. above airliners? Because if they're twenty thousand feet, that's below airliners and stuff. <laughs> so it's like I don't want to be flying around and hey, no. a giant. It's going to be way up there where you can't so fly. So it's be like sure. yeah, in the stratosphere, yeah, and just uh, up for there. sure. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's. Uh, I think about, um, and we've had this discussion before, I believe. But think about um, areas that are ravaged by some kind of natural disaster, right? Something like that, where infrastructure goes down. Yeah. So all of a sudden, now our cell phones and our internet no longer works where we are. So mm-hmm. we can put these up, and if it mm-hmm. only takes eight or ten of these balloons. 
And all right. of a sudden, infrastructure is at least in some way, right. shape, or form back. And exactly. Like emergency calls can go out, communications restored. Mm -hmm. oh, I love it. Very cool. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thanks, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. Please visit our website at www.category5.tv. While you're there, hey, check out number, uh, episode number 248 of Category 5 Technology TV. And on that age-old broadcast, mm -hmm. we installed a Thermaltake Water 2.0 all-in-one CPU water cooler. How's it Ooh. doing? It's dead. Oh, <laughs> 4.7 years later of operating 24-7, wow. the Thermaltake Water 2.0 has finally given up the ghost. Rest in peace. That's an impressive run. That is that a is very good, good run. Good. And this yeah. is an all-in-one unit. Go back to episode 248 to see it. It's an all-in-one unit, and what that means is there's no having to refill the water. You never have to put more coolant in it because wow. it's a closed circuit of liquid cooling. That's good. So there's no, there's no having to deal with things like algae buildup or anything like Ooh, that. Right. It's all a closed in case thing. So what happened is finally, almost 4.7 years later, um, the, the pump went on it. Oh. So now it overheats and the, the system out of safety turns itself off. So we're in the process okay. of replacing that, but I thought I'd let you know because that was a good run and we love Thermaltake products and uh, the Water 2.0 is now uh, a past product, but they do have the Thermaltake Water 3.0 which is oh. a whole version better. <laughs> the 3.0? So. Yeah, the 3. Better than 2. Have It'll probably last like 9 years. Who knows? I don't want to make that commitment. <laughs> but I guarantee you, ours lasted longer than the warranty period, so that's pretty good. Yeah. All right, let's jump into viewer comments, questions. Uh, Christopher Kevin Lee. Uh, we mentioned Christopher's um, question on the show right. last week, and we mm. covered uh, how to check a hard drive's smart report. Hmm. Uh, do you want to tackle that, Henry? Oh, the question. The question. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm questioning myself. Uh, you're questioning. Okay. What, I'm to tell uh, everyone how to use smart reports? Maybe. Refer back um, to the Okay, so this is what Christopher said to us. Thanks for answering my question. I'll definitely speak to my friend and have to drive back. Synchronized. <clears throat> what? Sorry, synchronized. It's beautiful. Guys. Sorry, Chris. Amazing. Didn't mean to interrupt. To but. my friend, and I have to drive back off her. Also, I'll run the backup again with the same log and image file and I'll also use the smart tools to look further into the issue about Star Trek <laughs> oh this, this is gonna oh okay yeah because yeah, you, you bought the Star Trek uh, right. Voyager disc I've watched so right. the first five episodes online then decided to purchase them on DVD so oh okay so this go. was an That's educated cool. decision very <laughs> see it's a, an educational experience here um, purchase them on DVD and I'll decide to watch them from the beginning Okay. Cool. Okay. Nice. So yeah, so far, I'm loving right. them. If I remember right, I was Voyager. I used to watch with my grandfather along with Deep Space Nine. So back in the days when so they were watching on cool. TV, nostalgic. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, yeah, Teddy like you're watching on space or something. And <laughs> or Bingo on. the Bear. <laughs> Teddy Ruxpin wasn't still around. Come, Come on. on. <laughs> yeah, that makes me think about uh, Chris. Um, my daughter and I. My daughter is 11 years old, oh. and we have just recently started watching um, Star Trek: The Next Generation, the the new Blu-ray version, um, newer. Um, so <laughs> they redid all the special effects. It's so beautifully done. Ooh. Really recommend mm -hmm. you check it out. But um, 
So being 11 years old, we're kind of establishing those same memories that you have with your, with your grandfather. And, and it's so neat that a TV show can bring back those kind of memories, that you're sitting there watching it and, real, and remembering the time that you, that you spent with your grandfather. And I really appreciate mm-hmm. that. And, Thank you. Uh, Thanks for great show. yeah. Thanks for the comment. Thanks for sharing. Very it's, much. It's a great story. Um, speak- can I just sorry? Yeah. Interrupt to tell you that Category Five TV is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If well done. It's tech. It's here. Cat Five TV <laughs> slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat Five TV slash IAIB. Speaking of shows, yes, uh, we talked last week about um, uh, Dark Matter and the fact that my wife and I were starting into that and just seeing right. it. Have you seen Dark Matter yet? No. Okay, so we started it. We think we're just going to let it taper off. Uh. It just wasn't good enough. The writing mm-hmm. kind of fell flat. We give it about three episodes per show mm-hmm. just to see if it's any good. Yeah. Um, but I did mention that there was a show that we found that was really great so mm-hmm. far that they travel back in time and it's kind of quantum leap esque right. and they m- mess with all oh, like the, the time did you, history. Did you yeah. Get the name yeah. Of it? I did. But on the show last week, I said, I know it starts with an F. Right. I was way off. <laughs> I mean, I was only off by about a, a centimeter. If you look at your QWERTY keyboard, but it starts with a T it's is called it? Timeless. And oh, a, couple of, it. Yeah, a couple of viewers got it. Um, C128D was the first one to guess it, uh, followed by Brittany Marie, your pal Frank. Um, Trevor Hanwell also took a stab at it, but was thrown off by the fact that I had professed that it started with an F. And so right. they thought maybe it was Fringe. Oh, Fringe is amazing. So good guess, is yeah. it? Yeah, Never I loved even... Fringe. I loved it. I loved it. You would like it. Yeah? I think. If you loved it, I will like it. You will is like it. Is that the gauge? <laughs> Did you guys ever see... Okay, off it topic. It will be okay. Have you seen... Time, I think it's Time Warp or something where like time the... Warp, no. The, the actual like US carrier with like F-14 Tomcat, Tomcats gets teleported back to World War II. So it's like fighter jets versus like World War II aircraft. Really? No. Yeah. It's actually, I, I'm pretty sure it's like Time Warp or something, huh. but it's like the Enterprise, I don't not know, it Spaceship. It starts with the word time. Go. It's, it's, <laughs> We're going to so have the cool. comments below. Um, it's, it's I'm liking Timeless, though. Spe- the final countdown, that's oh, it. Speaking Thank of you. last nice. week, when I went all crazy about that Santa Clarita diet, and I was like, nobody watch it, which is horrible of me to say. Okay, this is a show. It was a show on yeah. Netflix. We were talking about stuff that we were yeah. watching recently. And um, I watched the whole first season, even though I said that I did not like it. And for most of the first season, I didn't like it. But the finale was amazing. Really? So, I'm just going to say... So just skip right over every episode? I'm just episode. going to say that there's <laughs> hope for it. Because I feel okay. like I owe that show an apology. Because I never trash talk shows. Okay. And Aww. I did. Speaking of things that, uh, that I've discovered that were really good, um, here's something that I would really recommend for any of our geek viewers. Um, you know Alan Turing. Um, mm-hmm. if, you, you know, if you've taken grade 9 computer science, you probably learned uh, to program in Turing. That was my, one of my early experiences of programming. You know, I had GW Basic and QBasic and all those, but Turing was one of the languages that I worked in. Um, so Alan Turing, uh, there's a movie talking about how um, he actually was very instrumental in uh, World War II and mm-hmm. the de- decryption of um, the... Enigma. Yeah, the Enigma machine, yep. which was no used by, uh, by Germany to encrypt all their communications. So um, it, I guess it was recently allowed to be declassified. 
and Benedict Cumberbatch actually plays the part of Alan Turing. I think I think the actual like oh. mission files or Makes something okay. were like 1980s or something. Okay, I I can't confirm well, they, that. They I'll just Google made it that. into a movie and it's on Netflix. So my oh, wife yeah. and I sat down and watched it. Knew nothing about it and not into war movies at all, mm-hmm. like at all. Mm-hmm. And so that almost turned me off of watching it because the trailer really makes it look like a war movie. It's not. It's like hacking, but without computers because computers didn't exist back then. No, they, ha- they had to make everything from scratch. They and had- that's the beauty yeah. of it, too. It was awesome. Yeah. But it's from all the angles, too. It's like the human side as well because yeah. Alan-, Alan Turing was also a homosexual. And mm-hmm. back then, of course, it was very, um, oh, there's something wrong yeah. with you. Right? Yeah, right. And it touches on that as well. And um, it touches, again, on the human side. And... The computing, it, it's a remarkable movie. It really is. And, and it's uh, called again, sorry, what? The, the Imitation the Game. The Imitation Game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Check it out on Netflix. Definitely worth the watch. Um, I think, uh, you know, let us know what you think of it. Oh, yeah. Right. I, I really enjoyed it. And I love learning stuff. It was, it was almost, it seemed like it was like a historical documentary. And but, yet. Well, it's funny because being the nerd I am, I can't help but like, um, what, what's what's the actor who plays Padme in like Star Wars like episodes? I don't know Star Wars. Sorry, but like she she's <laughs> the. Ask me who played someone in Star Trek. <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> you know what? Hmm. Astronomers found um, maybe a kind of an Earth. They found a dwarf star. Not with just one. Well, this it was is big news. This or is three. huge, big news. It was <laughs> like all I heard on my drive here. NASA, who apparently still exists, um, <laughs> as sad as that is, had, <laughs> had a conference today, and huge news is that they have found, or believe they have found, seven planets around a dwarf star. Seven <laughs> Earth-sized planets. Right. That are actually orbiting. And now, I mean, they said that the, yeah. the dwarf star itself, like if our sun was a basketball, this dwarf star is like a like tennis ball. Like it's a smaller. Okay. Right? So maybe, maybe there are humans Not quite the Goldilocks zone. Right. Well, but no, water could the, exist. Right. All of the planets that yeah. are there, they're close enough that all of them are in the Goldilocks zone of that star. But the star isn't a big star. Right, okay. so they haven't been able to confirm. Oh, so they're closer yet. to the smaller star. Mm-hmm. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. They're all in each other's view. So the way we would see the moon, they would all see each other in the sky. Wow. I know. It's like a sci-fi film. You look it's up, like, it's like planets in every direction. Right. <laughs> but the thing is, if we were to travel at the speed of light, we would get there in 37 years. And we can't... We can't do that yet. ...do that. So we're not going to actually... They're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, <laughs> subspace travel, and we'll get there. There's a lot of technology, though, and you think about, okay, traveling at warp speed or at least at, at impulse speed, um, mm-hmm. the speed of light or whatever it takes, but um, technologies that are inspired by shows like Star Trek right. are happening. They're coming to fruition, and in fact... Oh, the uh, ion drives, right? Everything else. Ion drives is what I'm thinking. Like That's mm-hmm. something that they're pushing toward um, to try to propel in space without having to actually expel fuel. It's amazing. Right. right? Uh, But also, um, Jordi LaForge and his visor um, just this week was announced that um, (laughs) they've they've actually got uh, a lady wearing something like that Mm -hmm. and it's very similar to the visor from Star Trek, The Next Generation, and she can see. She's legally blind and she can see better than a lot of us. Wow. Thanks to this visor. That is... uh, Awesome. So all these technologies that are that are based on Star Trek or other sci-fi, <laughs> and it's like it's really things. happening. And I think it's yeah. because Becca says like how it we're watching Star Trek with my yeah, daughter, exactly. and Becca says, you know how how accurate is the techno babble here, Robbie? And I say, you know what? Actually, it's pretty darn good because the writers sat down with 
theoretical mm-hmm. scientists and exactly. physicists, and they wrote right. the show. And there is techno but is it but sort of the fact that the show happened that the ideas launched off the show, or is the show encompassing ideas that were already yes and no right the 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 actual technologies like the yeah. iPad and things like that obviously or they were sci fi at the time, but mm-hmm. somebody said, oh yeah, one day we're going to have a handheld yeah. tablet and we're going to call it a pad on Star Trek now they call it the iPad here in the real world <laughs> yeah. So but yeah so, pad. <laughs> so it is science driving the science fiction mm-hmm. and then science fiction then driving science in this reciprocal kind of right development i feel like we could talk about my, this all night long my yeah. mind is still in the point where i'm like what if we're the aliens dun, dun, dun. what if we are just microscopic organisms what and if? the earth is just one yeah. cell well my brain bum, is bum, bum. Oh. Okay, okay. Uh, one, a uh, couple more comments. Uh, David Darby says, "I want to meet Sasha." Oh, baby, you're gorgeous. Aww. I was trying to skip over that one. <laughs> He's not going to let you. Oh, you uh, make me blush. Toxie Quartz, on the other hand, said that old bar- bald fart is no, so cringy. That that is a lie. That is not what it says. There is no bald in there. All right, Just says, that that old fart. He's cringy. That's probably not about you. How come it's you get wall. nice things? Everybody, tell me how much you like me. Robbie, Post it below. You are super loved. This is your show that they all <laughs> This watch. is your show, this Sasha. <laughs> People love you. Sasha. Oh, baby, you're that. gorgeous. That's a quote. And then, like, literally the quote feel- after. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and the next comment, no. Brittany Marie, come on, what are you doing it's all to me caps. Here? All caps. Lots of exclamation <laughs> points. Please no. I feel like I should like say this with a French accent, but I no. Feel like- <laughs> it's like I love you, Sasha. <laughs> she is so brilliant. My very first thought when you described the vortex box was dot dot dot. I want that running on a Raspberry Pi. So you need to do that project. Okay. I'll go back and watch the old one, but do that for sure. Hey, I had Good. ideas too. I, that's like, I was involved in the conversation. Yeah, but you don't have a fan club. She Brittany, I, no. I tell you I love you, and this, this is what I get. This is the treatment I get. From my heart of hearts, I will tell you I love you all. Every single one of you equally. Individually, including you, Robbie. No, no, everybody. You're all super awesome. Thank you for your amazing, humbling feedback. Oh, folks. Um, And Robbie, you're you're totally fun and fine, and everybody watches your show because you're here. He's all right. Okay. Swade907 says, thanks for episode 337. It's going back a little ways. This is when you and I talked about moving a Linux home folder. Right. Right. Uh, Onto another drive. Very cool episode. Check it out, 337. Um, And Swade907 said, this episode has given me a better understanding of Linux, as well as a way to add more space to my games, for my games on SteamOS, if I can't figure out another way within the software itself. Very cool. I'm so glad. You know, I love, 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 love that episodes like 337 from, you know, four years ago almost. Are still brought up today. It's still brought up, but it's still helping folks. Yeah, exactly. It's still teaching folks. And these exactly. are, that's what Category 5 does. We have a comment from a more recent one that also was really helping oh, people. Yeah? Shally Sazen. 
Hey, shall watched, we? Watched uh, the comparison review of the 4K cameras. Oh, yes. Which I hmm. loved every one of them. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. fun. <laughs> I've been searching for an unbiased review for days now, and yours is really the first trustworthy one. So thumbs up and keep doing, su- doing such great reviews. I am now subscribed to your channel, and I finally decided to go for the Sony. Awesome. Nice. Um, I'm recording my honeymoon trip, one month of traveling with my wife in the USA. Thank you very, very cool. much. Well, hey, congratulations to you and your wife. Uh, thanks for the comment. I'm so glad that that's helped you out. And I think, you know, hit it right there, unbiased. And that's what we set right. out to do with that review. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm constantly getting, well, why didn't you add the GoPro? And I, I finally, I finally bit the oh, bullet and I commented back and I said, because you want an unbiased review. Exactly. Do you want to hear me rant about the GoPro being planned obsolescence and, you know, mm. No, right. let's compare, and, and, and I know Henry wants to say something. What's, what's the but, one uh, that I really fell in love with? It's called the Gimbal, is it? The, uh, the, the DJI the Osmo. Osmo 4K. That's what, yeah, okay. I do love that camera for I running gun. I still talk about it. I probably yeah. should have just done it, bought it, got oh, it. I uh, talk about it all the time. Yeah, I really beautiful camera, beautiful <laughs> camera. It's all right, it's all right. You it's, tried it too. Yeah, I, I tried it too, but I'm used to those uh, DJI products because sure. they're drones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the quality was all right. Not the best for photos, but photos for video. Photos were terrible on it. They're yeah, trash. they, oh, they okay, were really yeah. bad. Yeah. But if you want like basic steady video, yeah, you know, it's a good introduction product, especially if you're just a consumer, right? Yeah, exactly. Then it's yeah, fun. I'm not a, yeah, I'm not a professional <laughs> photographer. I don't have like a super awesome skill as far as taking video. And right, I think to video. myself, like I could do a decent home video with that sure. and you have like the right? selfie mode that so you can yeah. take it on vacation and you could do all your other fun right. stuff exactly i liked it as a run and gun camera so that you can get you can <laughs> get those <laughs> really cool smooth shots right and yep. your rig fits in your pocket pretty much it does so you don't have to carry like a steady cam or anything like that and or, the computer case, portion is d- literally DSLRs. your smartphone yeah. which makes it so much easier you don't but have you to don't carry. have to have connected right. exactly but you can if you want to yeah <laughs> uh, JWMP, one final thought, thinks that 4K is soon to become old technology with 8K up on the rise. Um, so maybe it's 8K. good I delayed. Maybe I'll just wait, <laughs> wait for my 8K. Well, it starts up here price-wise, Sasha, and then it comes down. Right. So you're, you're good to get these tech, <laughs> this tech you know, at the, at the end of it. Yes, exactly. Or at least partway through. <laughs> you know what? That's, that's all the time that we have, folks. We've had a lot of fun tonight. I hope you learned a lot with our guest, Robert Capps. Go to their website, newdatasecurity.com, and that is spelt N-U. I wonder if they get tired of saying that. It's new data, spelt N-U. But mm-hmm. you need to know. You need to it's memorize it and check you. them out. NewDataSecurity.com. Mm-hmm. Hope you have a fantastic week, everybody. Mm-hmm. All right. We said it. We love y'all. That's Thanks right. For being Thanks for being here. I don't take yes, offense. thank you. I don't wear the sweater anymore. I mean, oh. I, I know. It's almost spring, right? Sometimes I think my mom watches the show because of some of the... the the things comments. that get said yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mom come on why are you judging me <laughs> oh well hey have a great week and we will see you next wednesday night uh and we've got a fantastic show planned for you so check it out Exciting. go to category5.tv and don't forget about our rss feeds and everything else and our partner links are growing get shopping more partners there and uh, think geek is one of them so get on over to category5.tv and check us out and we'll see you next wednesday night good night Night.